I heard someone say to me, Avengers Endgame is unquestionably a generational film. And I think they're exactly right, and I don't say that lightly. I sat in the theater with my 13-year-old son, and I saw old people, young people, little kids, screaming kids, uh, and even a few that were dressed in their best superhero gear. Now, that's pretty amazing. I feel like that's even outside the norm for Hollywood cinema lately. I've not been altogether impressed. But I sat there, and I started to wonder why. How'd they pull it off? I mean, what's so special about these films that they can reach such a wide demographic? Because I think they've captivated something that's uniquely inside all of us, regardless of our age. I'm sitting there with my son, the lights go down in the theater, and the crowd roars. There was definitely this real sense of anticipation that something monumental was about to happen. But again, why? Now, I know it's true that what's available today in terms of technology and special effects is nothing short of incredible. I'm guessing early Hollywood couldn't have even imagined what would be possible today. You're listening to The Stage and Story Podcast, a show about story, culture, and imagination from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Dane Bundy, president of Stage and Story and chaplain at Lifehouse Theater in Redlands, California. On today's episode, I'll be joining a number of my friends and colleagues to reflect on the latest Avengers film, Endgame. Now, whether you like the Marvel films or not, you can't deny that people are coming out to see them in droves. As Greg Cash mentioned in the opening of this episode, all ages are coming to see this film. It's a generational film. Now, I saw the film on a Wednesday evening. In the South, everyone would be at church, but here in California, they were all at the movie theaters. And according to Box Office Mojo, Endgame broke a number of records. It was the biggest opening for a weekend, and it brought in over $2.5 billion worldwide as of May 14th. Movies say something about the human condition, what people long for, what people feel is missing in the world around them. And depending upon what's going on in culture, people want to see different things. And that's why I think that movies reflect the heartbeat of society. Today's episode is just a little bit different from the others. I'm not giving a full review of Endgame, and I've actually asked a number of my friends to send in to me their reflections on this film. So today you'll be hearing from Megan and Jordan Crowther, who just recently got married, woot woot, and are some of Lifehouse Theater's finest actors. You'll also be hearing from Marion Jacobs. She's an author and writer, and she focuses both on fiction and journalism. She regularly reviews movies and offers cultural commentary at Speculative Faith, and has written for Christianity Today and Desiring God. Andrew Cochran studied theater at Cal Baptist and has loved and thought about movies for as long as I've known him. And I've known him for a while. He was actually the first lead in the first play that I ever directed. Finally, Greg Cash. He is the productions manager at Stand to Reason, an apologetics ministry, and runs his own video production company called Greg Cash Media. And I met Greg at Southern Seminary over 10 years ago. So let's open this episode with first impressions. What did they think of the film? How did it compare or contrast with the latest film, Infinity War? We're going to be hearing from Andrew, Marion, Megan, and then Jordan. You know, starting out, I wasn't expecting to like the movie. I'm not, I'm not huge on the Marvel movies. I think they're fun, but they're not like, I'm not a big fan of them. Um, and I, I just thought Infinity War was just okay, if not um, below average. Endgame was a wild card, in my opinion. I wasn't sure what to expect, um, and I ended up having pretty low expectations, I would say. Infinity War was a huge disappointment to me. I guess I didn't know ahead of time that it was going to end on a cliffhanger, and so I found it a little pretty jarring. 
coupled with my huge disappointment in Captain Marvel, um, which was could not compare in any way to how how well done Wonder Woman was. I was I was on a track of being pretty disillusioned with the MCU as a whole. Um, that said, when I actually saw Endgame, I was really pleasantly surprised. They did it really well. They gave a lot of really satisfactory endings for fans. They they tried to to give some some semblance of a happy ending. So I just saw Avengers Endgame a couple nights ago with my husband Jordan. And if I were to compare it with Infinity War, I would personally give both the films um, a 10 out of 10. I liked them both a lot. So the uh, <laughs> Avengers movie was uh, was really good. Um, I don't think that it was as good as Infinity War. I think Infinity War had a real unique sense of drive and movement that in some ways the second one didn't. The second one took a little bit of time to kind of gather and then get into motion. But um, overall, I would say if I had to rate the movies, I would say Infinity War was a solid 10 and Endgame was uh, between 9, 9.5. I personally enjoyed Infinity War and Endgame a great deal, but I happen to like Infinity War better than Endgame. A lot of people weren't happy with how Infinity War ended. I actually felt like it was the best part of the movie, and I found it very thought-provoking. And you can hear Brandon and I talk about it in the episode right before this one. But Rotten Tomatoes gave Endgame a very high rating, 94% for the critics and an 88% for the audience score. And that seems to be what I'm hearing from most people, that they really did enjoy Endgame. Well, now we're going to move on to what they thought stood out to them and moved them. And we're going to be hearing from Andrew, Jordan, and Megan. So first off, what I liked, um, I I really enjoyed Iron Man's arc, the completion of that. I thought uh, it was really appropriate for... Um, Tony Stark to he's he's sort of learned his whole his whole development as a character he's sort of learned you know uh, basically to not be selfish and I think the taking that to the to the logical end self-sacrifice I think was really good Um, I think throwing it back to the very first Marvel movie the end of that one I am Iron Man with him saying I am Iron Man I thought that was a great choice I actually think his and Thor's arcs over the series have been the best um, Thor is my uh, favorite of the Avengers, and um, I really, I thought his his story in this one was really funny, uh, really appropriate. He's he's sort of been trying to learn how to be a leader, and then uh, I think in this one he really learned that maybe he doesn't need to be a leader. Maybe you know he's he's happier, or or uh, maybe he's he's better not being that. But I thought his was a really good uh, arc, and I love that. It was his mom that gave him the speech that sort of spurned him on to uh, finish the job. Most of the time, it's, you know, it's the dad, it's the king. But I thought that Rene Russo really played it well. Um, I love that they had her notice that it was the Thor. She realized it's the Thor from the future, but she didn't ask any questions. It's it's her son. Like, she's, it's not like she's going to, you know, withhold her motherly attention or love, you know, just because he's from the future. She just... No questions asked. It's my son. He needs help. I loved that. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the story, the the time traveling, or I guess it's like multiverse traveling. I think if you pick it apart too much, it, uh, it really starts to... If you look at it with too much scrutiny, it really starts to fall apart. Um, 
but uh, I, you're just having so much fun that it doesn't really matter. That's not the point of the movie. It's just a plot device. While Infinity War, because of the shock value of what happened, you know, the sense of loss, mounting loss that just continues and continues, um, Endgame provides the, the alternative to that. It provides the hope. You know, where Infinity War was all about despair and losing in the face of evil. Um, and Endgame was about regaining that hope. And it was well as sacrifice you know infinity war f was about forcing sacrifice on others you know forcefully killing off half of everyone whereas endgame was about the choice to sacrifice for what they believed in looking from a christian perspective i guess um what the top moment that stood out to me in the entire film was the moment with Hawkeye and Black Widow on top of that mountain and they're trying to get this stone that in Infinity War, Thanos had gotten this stone by throwing his daughter, the only person that he loved, um, off this cliff to get the stone. And in Endgame, we see two characters, Hawkeye and Black Widow, that care for one another very deeply and they are fighting to sacrifice themselves for one another so that the other person can live while having to get this stone and it was just an incredible moment there were a lot of tear-jerking moments i think in endgame and none of them got to me except for the moment with those two characters and i believe that's because it just reminded me of christ in my opinion the most powerful scene was between two characters hawkeye and black widow and it's very, very powerful because each one, you know, we go from the world, which presents someone has to die. Oh, I want to be the one who lives. You know, that's what you expect. They're both fighting for who gets to die because they want to sacrifice themselves for the other. And I think one of the reasons that that really affected me the most is because <clears throat> I always realize that whenever I get emotionally moved in a movie, I can in some way trace it back to Christ and somehow. And I think that scene is so significant because it almost kind of reminds us of how Christ chose to die for us. You know, you have two people who are trying to die for each other and that harkens back to our savior who did die for us. You know, at the end of the day, end game is fantasy, but Christ really did die for us. And I think that's really, really amazing. Stories are Trojan horses, and within each of these Trojan horses are worldviews or perspectives on the world. You know, sometimes the worldview in a story is subtle, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes movies feel like they are preaching at us. Or better yet, listen to how Megan phrases it. I think that's definitely... Marvel trying to make a statement. And I thought a lot about this. Why do some movies feel like they're making a statement and others not so much? Other movies just feel like the message is more subtle. Well, I think one factor in this is the cultural trends that are going on right now or the state of society. So, for example, if an audience leans left politically, then a message about the evils of big corporations might not feel like a statement is being made. But to a conservative audience, it probably would. I felt like Endgame was trying to make a couple of statements. An IndieWire article from April 28th states this very thing and states it well. And here's the title. Avengers Endgame Normalizing Diversity Will Be Marvel's Focus As It Looks. 
into the future. And I felt like the subtitle was just as revealing. The studio is recognizing that fans of its movies are extremely diverse and are now more vocal than ever with demands to be properly represented and spoken to. So the first statement about diversity that I find or that I found in Endgame was Marvel's first openly gay character. Now this openly gay character was a small role and it came in a scene with Captain America. The scene was a support group for those who had lost someone from the, the big destruction at the end of Infinity War. And in a moment, we're going to hear from Marion and Andrew about additional inclusive efforts they noticed in Endgame. And since I'm conservative in a number of respects, both politically and biblically, these efforts struck me as Marvel making statements as well. Um, of course, it wasn't perfect, uh, there were some moments where I was like, really, we're doing this. Okay. But it was few and far between. Um, an example would be just Captain Marvel becoming the first lesbian superhero, although that was just merely implied and was never talked about explicitly. But if you read articles about Captain Marvel, um, that is what they're doing with her, with her character now. But I thought from... From from their intentions with Captain Marvel, from the from what happened at the end of the end of an Infinity Wars, I thought she was just going to swoop in and save the day, and that would be that, and it would just be that all we needed was this super strong feminist icon to save us all, and that's that's not what happened, and I was I was so relieved, I was so grateful that they that they ended up going through with so much of the universe that they had already built before Captain Marvel ever showed up. I also, I really enjoyed the uh, the all-female shot, the um, Captain Marvel uh, with the gauntlet and Spider-Man saying, how are you going to get it across? And you're all alone. If she's not alone, then it's an all-female Marvel shot. Here's the thing. that I think that's obviously Marvel and Disney um, saying, look at us. We're, we've got an all, we've got plenty of female characters uh, look Look at this it 's obviously a corporate requirement um, and it it kind of is undercut by the way that I feel that black widow is uh um, by the way that she 's sort of like forgotten about um, so I, I think that's it's a it 's a really cool moment that is undercut by that but even even then, I really enjoyed seeing it uh, It was really really cool to see. I appreciate Marion's analysis of the Captain Marvel character. It's interesting because I wasn't able to put this clip in, but Megan also noticed that Marvel was trying to very subtly set up Captain Marvel as a lesbian character. And I also appreciate Andrew's analysis or observation of the corporate statement that Marvel was trying to make about the inclusion of more females in their films. At this point, I'd like to return to Greg Cash's question that he opened us up with as to why this film, Endgame, is a generational film. Greg gives us a big picture perspective and helps us understand better what's drawing people to movies like this. And then we're going to hear from Megan, Andrew, Marion, and Jordan reflecting on Cash's point, even though they don't know it. But when a series of movies has this level of ability to cross so many age barriers, there's got to be a fundamental reason that would answer my why. And I think the most basic answer would be, we love stories of redemption. We love these huge tales of good fighting evil and justice being handed out to those who deserve it, the weak being rescued and cared for, and the good guy coming out on top at the end. I think we love redemption because God wired us to love redemption. Now, in a series of over 20 films, we watched Marvel unpack individual hero stories with characters that could stand alone, 
and yet they all found themselves playing a key role in a much larger narrative. Everything was leading towards this epic finale where the ultimate battle of good and evil would take place. And as we look back now, and I'm sure many of us will, we'll all be able to go back through several of the earlier films and clearly see the preparation of the characters with much more fine detail. Another character that I really liked was Nebula, um, but she was a character that was kind of like the worst from the beginning. Um, Not the worst, but definitely misguided and just searching for approval or love or something. She's just doing everything possible, and she was a pretty bad character. Um, And she was... 100% my favorite character in this movie and it's because we've seen her in those past movies just being that that struggle character and there were even moments where I think you could see her like kind of like wanting to be good and she never was and we finally got that in this movie and I loved it because there's just something awesome about just seeing characters that were lost kind of being found and redeemed the the breakout star of the MVP of Avengers Endgame was Nebula. Um, Karen Gillan really takes this character and sort of makes it her own, turns it into a, um, a sort of starting out, I mean, because she was originally an antagonist, and then she became sort of an anti-hero, and then now she's a protagonist, but still with the option, you know, like, she's, she's I, I think her character arc is very Shakespearean, and I, I really enjoyed seeing um, that come to fruition. It's a sad ending um, where you where you lose a character that you love. It's it's in the the best way possible when you when one lays down their life for their friends as Christ did, and um, and it's bittersweet, but it's it's right and it's good, and you just think, wow, that character came full circle. That character. Um, knows virtue now and and it was it was a beautiful ending I thought there were a lot of significant um, sacrifices in reality everyone else kind of was going into this with a sense of what they have to gain but Tony Stark went into this with a sense of what he had to lose because he was the one who had the daughter you know he almost in some ways came out better at the end of this and that was interesting because I, I, I saw that once they started going to visit Tony, it was like, okay, there's a lot of people that want, you know, to, to fix things, but there's a lot of people who, because of this in a way, have had an opportunity for a life they never expected. You know, I think Tony may not have had the daughter with Pepper Potts and had that kind of real, it seemed very stable family relationship. I don't know if you realize this, but before this movie, Tony is a mess. He's a mess in everything. I mean, look at Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, you know, just all about show, blitz, completely just real surface, real surface. Um, And contrast that with who he is with Pepper Potts after this. I mean, he's a dad. And he seemed like a really good dad, too. And he's like, no, you know, time travel can't be done. But it shows that he still, even when he was like, that's no, 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 no. He's very adverse to it. When he he latches on to the possibility, he still looks for it. He didn't just turn the other way. And he went down that rabbit hole. He's the one who said the risks involved. You know, everyone else was like, heroism in America, and we're going to do it at any cost. But he was the one like, we can, things can happen. Negative things can happen. And he's the one who passes. He's the one who dies. But he still did it. And I think someone who takes that risk 
knowing that they have something to lose, it's, it's, um, it's heroic. There's people who can fly and shoot lasers, but that doesn't necessarily make them a hero. It's someone who's willing to put what they value on the line for the sake of others. The idea of redemption is not only a major theme in scripture, but it's a major theme in Western literature and film. And we may disagree on how one is redeemed or what a person needs to be redeemed to, but there's something deep inside of us that wants evil to be turned to good or people in bondage to be freed. There's a great book called Echoes of Eden. And I think that what we see here with redemption is something maybe we can call Echoes of Calvary. As Endgame demonstrates, and my friends attest to, there's something special about redemption that comes about through sacrifice. And as we learned in Infinity War, there's a big difference between forced sacrifice and willing sacrifice. One's murder and the other's love. And so as we come to a close, I'm going to have Cash finish the episode by drawing direct application to us. But why is this so captivating to many of us across many different age brackets? Because I think that this, in principle, is the story of our reality. I think that's the real magic of this movie. I mean, think about it. We all live very different lives in very different places. And yet across the board, we can see that something is definitely broken. There's real evil in this world. We have pain. We have suffering. And there's something inside all of us that wants all of these wrongs to be righted. Many of us have heard people say things like, why is there evil in the world? Or why do bad things happen to good people? And so why do so many different people come to the same conclusions and ask virtually the same questions? And I think the answer is that there's a universal reality in all of us wired right into our DNA that things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Our world is very broken. In fact, it's so broken that we need someone outside of ourselves to come fix it. And no, sadly, you and I, we're not the heroes in our own story. There's no amount of good within us that will fix the problems of our world. But the good news is there is one who came to take a stand against the evil forces that are found in this world. There is one that made the ultimate sacrifice for humanity to right all the wrongs that we see around us. God himself sent us a savior to redeem us from this world and from ourselves. And where can we find this humongous meta-narrative about human history? Inside the pages of the Bible. It has many people or characters that have played key roles throughout real human history, but all of them point to a single ultimate person or character for redemption. And that's God's son, Jesus Christ. And true life can be found only in him. Avengers Endgame speaks directly to the embedded desire in all of us for redemption. But while Endgame is only fiction, God's redemption of this world found in Christ alone is ultimate reality. So while we look to Marvel for fantasy and entertainment, may we all look to Jesus Christ for ultimate redemption and reconciliation to God And may our lives reflect him in everything we do. Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to the Stage and Story podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And that'd be great if you could give us a rating and share this episode with a friend. If you want to find out more about Stage and Story, please check out our website at stageandstory.org. You can also subscribe and be notified of upcoming events and free resources to help you think about culture with a Christian perspective. Until next time, this is Dane Bundy wishing you a wonderful week in Christ. That's all I've got. I hope I did good. Um, Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot, but my little brain can't. (laughs) Um, So yeah.
thank you. I hope this is helpful, and I'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye.